Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Hey, glad you're here. Thank you for making uh, this Sunday a day where you uh, gathered together, especially if you're a guest with us. So uh, in case we haven't met yet, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, It is good to to meet you and be with you today. We hope you feel a welcome. We hope that uh, this morning is a time where you can come worship together with a a group of people and you sense uh, a welcome from us. So we're glad you're here. Uh, I want to add two quick things uh, to the announcements and just let you know a little bit about what's going on. Take a family moment to do that. So number one, this coming Saturday, Jake and Joanna Harper, our new student life pastor, will be moving into town. So we're super excited about that. And they need a little bit of help moving. So if you are able this coming Saturday to uh, come and show up and, and maybe contribute for an hour or so just to help them get into the, in their, to their new place, we'd love to have you do that. Contact me either right after this service or the email at contact at newlifeonline.org. Love to have some hands to help them to feel that hospitality from us. So this coming Saturday, they'll be moving in and we'll be able to see them next week, which is super exciting. So Jake Harper, coming this Saturday, help with moving. Then number two, um, it is already that time where we are going to start talking about our Fall Fest. So coming up on, on September 30th, our Fall Fest, which is one of our primary events that we allow the community to connect with us. And uh, it's a great space for us to just invite friends, invite neighbors, and just come hang out and have fun. So we're going to have food trucks, music, games. It's all going to be on September 30th. Here's what we need right now. We need volunteers. Would you be willing to sign up to to contribute at the event for an hour, hour and a half kind of thing? And uh, man, one of those events or one of those uh, stations or or help with certain aspects of the event. So can you uh, do that today? That would be awesome. So we've got to sign up at the Connections desk. Love to have you join in that way. Or if you need to kind of figure out your schedule a little bit, you'll have the opportunity to sign up online as well. So if you can, plan to be here on September 30th and plan to volunteer. This is one of the best ways that we as a church can put on an event that just allows people to come meet some other folks from our our church family and see what we're all about. So we uh, extend that opportunity to you. Love to have you partner with us on September 30th. So uh, keep that on your calendar and we look forward to that event. All right, would you join me now in a word of prayer as we turn our attention to God's word? Lord, you are faithful and true. God, we can turn to you because you are consistent. You are steadfast. You you never waver, God, and so we can rely on you, God. Ah, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your consistency. God, we may be coming in today where things are great and and smooth sailing, and, and maybe things are not. They feel chaotic and um, things uh, don't feel settled and we just, we're hurried or we're anxious. God, as we come to today, would you meet us right where we are? Would you meet us in whatever we're experiencing in life and remind us that, Lord, you, you are rock solid. And we can lean into you, Lord. When everything seems um, like there's storms around us, Lord, we can be centered on you. So, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, thank you for the gift that it is. Thank you for teaching us through it. God, we pray that it would be a centering. Each and every time, Lord, that we come face to face with you, would we be grounded in you? Would our roots grow deep in you? Would we be firmly planted in you? So, God, speak now. Teach us what we need to hear from you. And would we be ready to hear it, to receive it, to go with it? Thank you, Father, for all that you do. Thank you for your word. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, if you are just joining us today or if you've been with us for the last several weeks, we've been in this series called Mission. And, and we're looking at the call, the mission that Jesus has put before us, which is simply to make disciples. And so last week we really landed on a key idea um, that we're wanting to explore throughout this entire series. Is, it's this, that we are all missionaries. 
We're to be missionaries. Now, Kirk, last week, he really drove this home for us and connected the dots that this, that we are, we're called to follow Jesus. And what he does in letting us follow him is we become like him. We, we become missionaries. We, we're, we're on mission. And so he really connected the dots for us last week and, and helped us to see that we are missionaries. We're to be fishers of people, and that's part of what this is. Now, our goal is not to, you know, bring people into a room and into seats and, and, and check a box or, or to make them like us. Rather, we are sharing the good news, the hope that Jesus offers. That is what we are on mission for. Now, I'm curious, when you hear that, do you begin to think in certain terms like this? Oh, missionary, mission, that means... I got to go far away. Like missions is, is, is like it's around the world. Like we're, we're to go somewhere else. We're to learn a new language and, and live in a place we've never lived before and, and be around people we don't know. Like that, that's mission, right? Is that what Jesus is talking about here? Perhaps, but perhaps not necessarily. One of the things that we really want to explore is this idea of what does the implication of the mission mean for us? Like when we're called to be on mission, we're called to make disciples, like what, what does that really mean for my everyday life? How am I to carry this out? Are we supposed to go somewhere far away? Or is there more to it than just that? Today, we're going to be answering the question of where. Where are we on mission? Where is it that we are called to be on mission? That's what we're going to look at today. And as we do so, we're going to flesh out what this whole mission thing is all about and how do we step into it in a meaningful kind of way. So I invite you, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Acts, the book of Acts. We're going to look at chapter one primarily. So the book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. And so in my Bible, it's kind of right here, this back portion here. So you got the four Gospels and then the book of Acts. We're going to be looking at chapter 1 in the book of Acts, particularly looking at the first 11 verses. So Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Follow along with me, if you would. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised which you have heard me speak about. For John, he baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Verse 8, But you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand looking here at the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. So here we have the kickoff of the story of Acts, the the early church. Now, just to set the scene a little bit, where we are is this is the second book that the author Luke has written. Luke wrote a gospel the Gospel of Luke, and this is kind of like the sequel, part two, volume two of that story. He's wanting to tell the story of Jesus and all that he did, all that he taught, and then what happened afterwards, and that's what the book of Acts is. Now, if you've been with us, 
you probably remember that, that week one, we talked about Jesus and his final words to his, his followers, his disciples. And those words were, hey, go make disciples, and I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. But here, we get Luke's account of this, and it's just a little bit different, and that's intentional. See, Luke's wanting to capture some different things for us. And so what we're going to see today is we're going to really camp on verse 8. So I want you to look back at verse 8 with me, and we're going to reread and, and highlight a couple of things that Luke is trying to highlight for us as we're exploring the story. So verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, what I want to do here is I want to expand a little bit more about what we're talking about with this whole mission thing and the fact that we're missionaries. Right here, Luke uses a different word, witnesses. Now, last week, Kirk, he was up here. And for those of you who don't know Kirk, he's a lawyer. And so this word for him means something very specific, doesn't it? Think about a witness in a trial setting, in a, in a courtroom. What does a witness do? They testify, right? A witness will take the stand and they'll share what they saw, what they heard. Here's, here's what I encountered and here's what happened on this night. And, and they share what they've experienced, right? That's what a witness does. They testify. When Luke uses this word, you will be my witnesses. You are to testify to what you have seen, to what you have heard, to what you have experienced. That, that's what Luke is trying to point to. He's trying to help us see that we are to be testifying to what we have experienced. So if you flip the, the, the page over and go to Acts chapter 2, we get Peter, who's one of these guys who's hearing this, this message, like, you're going to be my witnesses. Peter actually does it. So if you know the story, you, you know that this is what happens. So they're in the room, the Holy Spirit comes on them, and they begin to preach. They go out of that room and walk the streets, and suddenly they're, they're talking in other languages. They're able to communicate to people who are not like them, and they're sharing about Jesus. And that ultimately culminates in this sermon that Peter preaches. Well, in, in, in verses 32 and 33, we get these words from Peter as he's preaching, telling people what's happening here. And so, here's what he says. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. See, Peter, he's leveraging this idea of witness, of testify. We've seen Jesus. He was killed. And then he was alive again. This is what we saw, and we're sharing that with you. And what you're seeing right now is the Holy Spirit. He's, he's evidence of what God has done in Christ. Like now, the seal, the vindication, it's happening right in front of you. You are now witnesses. So here, this is what Peter's doing. He's leveraging this idea that we're witnesses. We are witnessing to the good news of what God has done. We've experienced it, and we share it. So we're witnesses. This is how we're to be missionaries. We're to share what we've experienced and Peter himself captures this in his own words in a letter that he wrote. And so in 1 Peter chapter 3, we get Peter describing like how he interacts with this himself. And so this, this famous verse in, in 15, these are the words that he speaks. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. See, right here, he's like, Always be ready to share what you've experienced. Now, we might hear this, like, give an answer. Okay, well, what's the question? And it's like, well, whatever anybody asks, like, oh, we have to have the answer. That's not quite what he means here. He's talking about be ready to articulate an evidence. Here's the faith, the hope that I have. Here's what I've experienced. So give an answer for the hope that we have means we're sharing, we're witnessing, we're testifying to what we've experienced, the good news that we've encountered personally. And this is what Peter's pointing to. 
We're to be witnesses. We're to have an answer, have a response for here's why I follow Jesus. Here's how I've encountered him. That's what he's calling us to. So back to verse 1, or excuse me, verse 8 in chapter 1 in Acts. So when we see that, that Peter is receiving this word of being a witness, I want you to notice the next thing. Where does Jesus talk about this happening? You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, when, when he's talking about this, essentially what, what Luke is leveraging here are these words to describe what's going to happen in the book of Acts. And so maybe just to like put this in, in physical terms for you, I've got a map. Here you can see, what is, what's, what's he talking about here? You see that dot kind of up in the upper middle there? That's Jerusalem. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in this city, in this one place. You're going to be my witnesses in Judea. This is like the region around Jerusalem. It's kind of like the state of Illinois. You know, if we've got Morton or, or Peoria here, Chicago, whatever, you pick a city. And then the area around it, it's like the state. That's what he's talking about here. Judea, it's the surrounding region. But then it's like going north to Wisconsin. Samaria, here's another region. Like, you're going to go there too. And then to the ends of the earth. So like, there's these concentric circles, right? You can almost feel that. That's the way the book of Acts is going to play out. You see, they're going to start in Jerusalem. In chapter 2, there's this sermon preached and a whole bunch of people start following Jesus. And, and that's where the church is born. And they stay there for a time until things get a little dicey, things get hard. And, and then we get these words in, in chapter 8, verse 1, where we see something happens and they scatter. So on that day, a great persecution broke out. What's that day it's referencing? It's the stoning of Stephen. Stephen was a member of the church. And people started to get a little, they didn't like what they were hearing. And then they cornered Stephen and they ended up killing him. And that emboldened all the Jews. And so a persecution broke out. It's almost like the floodgates were open. And what happened? The church was scattered. Well, where were they scattered? Some stayed in Jerusalem, the apostles, but some were scattered to Judea and Samaria. They went to where God said they would go. Now, the, the bad thing, this persecution, led to a good thing, the sharing of the gospel in new places. Then we see Philip. He meets with an Ethiopian. He goes to Samaria. We see Cornelius encountering Peter, the first Gentile. Like Suddenly, all of these people are, are coming to know Jesus who don't live in Jerusalem. And so you see this expansion, this progression. Eventually, you get Paul who's going to take it all across the Roman world. So right here, we see that some are going to go. They're going to go to the ends of the earth. And some, they're going to stay. Some are going to stay in Jerusalem. And you see that play out through Acts. Some are going, we see those highlights, but then we see back over and over again to Jerusalem where it all started. Some are going to go. Some are going to stay. Now, when you hear this word missionary, you hear a sermon preached on mission or things like that. You probably have in your mind, especially if you grew up in church, this idea of the going, right? Matthew 28, we looked at that the first week. Go and make disciples. We, we hear that as a command. We're just to go. We're to go somewhere far away. And, and that's, you know, like that's the picture. But remember, we talked about how go is like going along the way. It's as you go. And so that can reference a range of things, including just our everyday walking along the road. And so the call to go might literally be a call to go, but it also may not be. So a brief word, real quick on this. Like, we as a church, we support the spread of the gospel wherever, and so that's why we support global missions. We have a dozen mission partners who are serving in a variety of places, and we support them in their going. They are called to go. We support them. We want to empower their ministry. We have a team that, that leads this, this arm of our church, and they, they support and connect with our missionaries and provide them with resources. Like, we want to be about the going, and some people are called. Maybe you're called. 
We, we've had a few folks who are in our church family right now who at one time were out somewhere. Where they were across the globe living in another culture and ministering the gospel. Like this might be a call for you. And if that's true, we want to help you. We want to help equip you for that call. If you're sensing like, man, maybe I am supposed to go somewhere different. We want to come alongside you. We want to offer some equipping, some training, and allow you opportunity to connect, to take that step towards going. Because if that's you, we want to empower that call on your life. If you're to go, we want to help you go. But that's not everybody. Some people are to go, but some people are not. Let me give you an example. So um, I'm from Chatham, Illinois. It's about an hour south. Uh, I'm just right of, south of Springfield. And uh, that's where I grew up. And, and I grew up um, connected to a great town, a great community. In particular, one family, um, one of their, their, these two twin boys who were, were good friends of mine. We met in, in junior high, and we spent a lot of time together. And uh, we ran cross-country and track, and we started to do Bible studies and youth group. And so essentially, like, we became really, really close junior high and high school. And even Paul, one of the twins, uh, he and I went to college for a year together. And so we would just, we shared life. We were kind of aligned and, and had a lot of the same experience. And I highlight all of that to say, like, we're pretty similar. Like, our, our journeys together, we did a lot of the same kinds of things. We're actually both in ministry. Paul and I are both in ministry. Paul is a missionary in the Philippines. He lives in the, in the slums in Manila. And he's planting churches and raising up other missionaries and spreading the gospel. And I am here, clearly. I'm, I'm in Morton, right? Like, I, I'm, I live here. He's, he's a missionary. He went because God called him. But I'm here. And again, if you look at our lives, like, we're very similar. We had some different experiences, sure. But you kind of think, like, man, what was, what was so different? The difference was calling. Paul was called to move to Manila. God wanted him to be a missionary, and he asked him to go, and Paul went. And he's doing ministry. He's doing good work. That has not been the call for me. I, I've gone on a mission trip or two, and I've kind of probed this. I think that's one of those things anybody who goes to seminary, you just kind of eventually wrestle with, like, am I supposed to go overseas? And for me, I discerned that question, and it was, no, I'm not. My call is not to go to Manila. My call is different. My call is to stay. I live in Morton, which is very similar to Chatham, and, and there's a lot of echoes. Like, it's kind of like the same kind of thing. And it's like, I was called to stay because the gospel is meant to go everywhere. It's meant to go to the ends of the earth. It's meant to reach places that's never been before. And it's meant to be here, right here in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our communities, like we are to be bearers of the gospel here. And that is part of what Jesus is talking about. When he says, you're going to be my witnesses, you're going to be in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, it's all of it. So the call in mission is not always to go far away. Sometimes it's to go right where you are. And so that's the big idea that I want us to land on today. Because we are all missionaries sent right where we are. We're to be missionaries. We're to be on mission. We're to be witnesses in whatever context we find ourselves. So for some of us, that is like maybe it's a call to go somewhere new, to relocate, to move. But for many of us, it's not. It's to be on mission right where you are. In our contexts, our neighborhoods with our families, with our places of work, our schools. Like, we are to be on mission right here. If we live in Jerusalem, we're to be ministering where we are until God says, all right, I'm going to move you. Maybe he will, maybe he won't, but it's like this, wherever we are, is, is where we are to be on mission. Now, this is the call. We're sent right where we are. We're always on mission. We're here for a purpose. That's what we're sensing from Acts. But if that's all true, there's one other key idea that we need to talk about to help us understand what this is all about 
and to understand the implications of what Jesus is calling us to. And so I want you to look back in chapter 1 and particularly look at verses 4 and 5, and then we're going to come back to verse 8. So Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, and verse 8. On one occasion, Jesus, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, stay where you are, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, John the Baptist, he baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then jump back down to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll have power, and you'll be my witnesses in all of these places. But notice what Jesus is talking about here. You, you are going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. That, that is the good news that we need to see, that we need to hear. The Holy Spirit, he empowers us. This is not something like, okay, here's the mission. Go make some disciples wherever you are, but come back to me when you're done. That is not what Jesus says. He says, no, 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 the Holy Spirit, this gift, this person is going to come live inside you, and he's going to empower you for this work. You will be my witnesses because he is with you. The Holy Spirit, he comes on us. And he empowers us for the work. Now, just real quick, like, okay, the Holy Spirit, what is he all about? Like, what, I've heard this before. Maybe you've heard a lot, or maybe you haven't heard much at all. But like, the Holy Spirit, what, what is he all about? Well, the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. So God, we believe in one God who come, who's in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. He is the third person, fully God. He is a person. And the Holy Spirit, he comes to live inside of us. He empowers us for mission, for ministry. And he enables all the work that Christ has done to be effective for us. And he equips us for that. So he grants us gifts. He empowers us to live life. But I want to highlight one thing in particular that Jesus talked about as we're thinking about this whole concept. So when Jesus was still here on earth, right before he was crucified, he's with his disciples. They're in this room by themselves, and he's sharing some key things that they need to hear as they're about to go through all that's going to happen. And so in John chapter 14, we we get some words of Jesus describing what, what this is all about and who the Holy Spirit is. So in John 14, verses 15 through 17, this is what he says. If you love me, this is Jesus talking, if you love me, keep my commands. Like, follow my way, do what I'm asking of you, keep my commands. And I will, give, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, a counselor, a helper, someone who will help you and be with you forever. Who is this? It's the Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He is going to come. He's going to live inside of us. He's going to be with us forever. He is the very presence of God. So when Jesus says, like, I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age, it's like we're looking around, we don't see Jesus. He is with us in the Spirit. And the Spirit, when we begin to follow Jesus, and we trust him, he lives inside of us. He dwells in our bodies, in our very hearts, our very souls, the essence of who we are. And he begins to do a work in us. We are transformed, given new lives, new hearts. This This is the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he makes it effective for those around us. See, not only does he do a work inside of us, he transforms our hearts and renews us from the inside out. He allows us to participate in that renewal in the world around us. And so Jesus isn't finished. He adds these words in verse 26 in chapter 14. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. So he's going to remind us of what Jesus taught, but not just like bring to memory, but remind us in like live in, trust, keep, hold, observe. Like this kind of life, we're going to live it because he, he empowers us to do so. 
He's going to empower us to share all that Jesus has taught. He's going to enable us to carry the mission forward. So we're going to be able to share the good news verbally. We're going to live a life that models it. And we're going to minister the gospel to people because of him. So when we're talking about all this mission stuff, you might be feeling like, oh man, I don't know how to do it. Can I really do it? That's not really for me. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that makes it effective. He is the primary agent. He's the primary mover. He's the one who's doing the work. So when you read the book of Acts and you see all that's taking place, the primary character is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's making all of it happen. Even in the midst of persecution and scattering, what does he do? He allows the gospel to go forward. He manifests it. He brings it forward. He allows people to encounter Jesus. It's all because of him. These disciples, these apostles, they're nothing special. They inherently don't have anything more than what we have. They were fishermen. They have the Holy Spirit just like we do. And they were on mission because of that reality. So the good news that I want you to hear is that we are our missionaries. We're missionaries because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the good news. It's not on our own strength. It's not on our own ability. We aren't making this happen. He is. He's the one who's moving. And so what can we do? So we can go with him. And we can be missionaries right where we are. He's put us where we are. We're at this place, at this time in history, for a purpose. He helps us to step into that. So it's the Holy Spirit who's leading us. He is the one that's empowering us. And so we can be on mission. So how do we do that? We've been talking about this mission make disciples, share the gospel, bring the good news, and allow people to encounter Jesus. We've been talking about all that, and we're, it's on us. Like we, we get to participate in that, but it's not on our strength. It's on the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's primarily moving. So we are missionaries right where we are. For us to step into that, I have a few key questions, a few key ideas that I want to put before you. So for us to step into this call to be missionaries right where we are, the first thing I want to ask you is this. Who is in your life? Who's in your circle? If we are missionaries right where we are, we have a circle of people around us. Who are they? When you begin to think about the people in your life, who are the names and faces you think of? Who are the people that that God has surrounded you with? Maybe it's your neighbors. It's your physical next-door neighbors, your street neighbors. Like, who lives in your neighborhood? Do you know them? Kirk, last week, he shared about one neighbor that he hadn't really met in in a long time after years of living there, Mrs. Lewis. And, And she had a need that arose, and he and Barb stepped in, and so they got to meet her. Now, she's a believer, she's a churchgoer, and she knows Jesus, but there was a connection that was formed that God opened a door. Do you have a Mrs. Lewis who you haven't yet met? Maybe there's opportunity for you to, to kind of cross the street, introduce yourself. Who, who are your neighbors? Do you know them? For us as Americans, it's so easy for us to get busy, Right? We fill our schedules. We've, we've got lots of things between kids' activities, work, or, or even in, in retirement. We, I've heard more and more people say, like, I'm busier than I've ever been before. We, we're just busy, right? Well, one byproduct of that is we will drive on our street, pull into our driveway, pull into our garage, and close the door, right? We'll just, we'll kind of go about our busy schedules, and we just got to move one thing to the next, and then just, that's it. We don't have margin. We don't have space. We don't have time interact with our neighbors. I've been guilty of that. There have been times in my life where like, I've just, I, I just do that. I'll pull in the garage and I'll close the door and I just go in and that's it. I'm done for the day. I have no idea who lives around me. We've moved to a new house. We're in a new neighborhood. This is a refreshed opportunity for us to like, meet people. Like, I feel that prompting from the Lord. Like, Get to know your neighbors. 
I want to do that. I want to know who my neighbors are, who's in my life that God has placed me with right now. So who are your neighbors? Who are your coworkers? Maybe you've got some people that you know well in your office or, or workplace setting, you know, some people that work right next to you or down the hall, but do you know them well? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But who, who do you work with? Who, who's running the circle with you that you can get to know? And, and take it beyond just simply the chit-chat at the water cooler. Can you get to know them just a little bit more deeply? Or maybe it's your family. The people that you're born into life with, that, that you've known for most or all of your life. Like, maybe it's your family. Who, who do you know? Who's in your circle that maybe God wants you to step through a doorway with? to take an opportunity. If you've got somebody you're thinking of, whether it's a name or a face, somebody that's in your life, here's what I want you to do. One thing, pray for them. Just pray for them. If you're already doing that, great. Keep doing it. But if you're not, start. If you've got somebody in your mind or a name that you've written down, start praying for them regularly. And, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy, just 30 seconds, Maybe in a planned time during the day, or maybe as they come to mind, like you just think of somebody. It's like, hey, let me just try it for them. God, I just pray for Bob. And just thinking about him, I just I lift him up to you. Simple. But here's the thing I want you to pray for. Pray for opportunity for the Lord to step into their life. That may be through you, or it may not. The, the goal is not that it's like, okay, I'm going to go strike up a conversation with so-and-so. Maybe that is, but really, the best thing that we can do is pray for somebody. Because this belongs to the Lord. Anyway, it's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's working and moving. When we pray, we seek alignment to him. So that's what I ask. Who's in your life? Can you name that person? Pray for that one. Pray for them. That's number one. Number two. Share the gospel. Show the gospel. Excuse me. Show the gospel through your love. So if we've got somebody that has come to mind, like one of the things that I would love for them to be able to say about us, it's like they're different. I notice something about them. I don't know if I can put my finger on it, but they're different than everybody else. And I'm drawn to that. That right there is the gospel embodied. It's the gospel incarnate. Just like Jesus became human, he came down to us. We call that the incarnation. The gospel is to be embodied through us, incarnated. When people look at us, they're to see love. They're to see Jesus. They're to see the goodness of the kingdom in the way that we live. And so, are we cultivating this? Are we the kind of people who look different because we know Jesus, because we follow him, is, our, is the way that we carry ourselves, the way that we live, different than the people around us. We are to be marked by love. The love that Jesus demonstrated by dying for us. That, that is what is to mark us. We're to put it on like a garment, like a coat. Like people should look at us and just, they should see it. That's what we're called to do. We're called to embody the gospel through love. So how are you doing on that? Are you intentionally pursuing a loving kind of posture? Do we look like Jesus would if he were in our shoes? Are you cultivating this sort of life where we're marked by love? That's the implicit call to being a missionary. We're carrying the gospel and we carry it in how we live. Do people see the gospel? Do people see Jesus in the way that you are? Work on that. And don't do it like, okay, I'll fix everything in my life, but rather come to the Lord of the Holy Spirit and say, all right, help me, Lord, in this one area. How can I get better? How can I grow? Are you asking yourself that kind of question? So that's number two. Finally, number three, who are to share the gospel through your story. So we, we've got a set of people maybe in our life that we're rubbing shoulders with and we can be praying for them. 
And, and are they rubbing shoulders with us in such a way as they're kind of like, man, they're, they're, they're different. Like I noticed something about them. We want that to be said of us. We want to be marked by the love of Jesus. And at some point, we might have the opportunity where we can actually speak the gospel, where we can share about what we've experienced. So you're probably like wondering, like, oh, how do I do that? Acts 22. We get Paul who shares his experience, his story, an encounter with Jesus. And if you read the chapter, and I encourage you to do that, you just see Paul narrate his story. Like, here's who I was, and I was a Pharisee, and I persecuted the church. And then I met Jesus on the road. And it's a spectacular sort of thing, and your story might be like that, or it might be kind of different, and that's great. But he met Jesus, and now things have been different. It's not perfect, and, and Paul, is, I mean, is an exemplar in so many ways, but he made mistakes and, and did things wrong, and we do too. But the goal is to narrate, here's how Jesus has been working on me. And so that's it. That's your story. Before Jesus, meeting Jesus, after Jesus. That's your story. What would you fill in? How would you tell your story? How would you bear witness to what Jesus has done in your life? Have you taken time to actually write that out? Here's one suggestion I'll put before you. Like, take time, get out a notebook, and just say, oh, what was it like before Jesus? Just jot a few notes down, a few bullets, a few moments or events that happened. Describe when you met Jesus. Maybe it was in a particular day, a particular moment. You can specifically say at 10 p.m. on that Friday night. Or maybe yours was a season. It was over time, but you, you came to realize, like, oh, I'm... I'm I'm, un- I'm in- understanding Jesus more. I'm interested and I'm, I'm choosing to follow him. Like, maybe you had a specific counter that lasted over time. But then after, what has it been like? How has it been since you've started following Jesus? What has he done? How have you seen him at work before meeting Jesus and after Jesus? That's your story. Can you capture that? This is what you share. You don't have to have all the right answers for people. They're going to ask questions. You're going to be like, I don't know. And that's okay. The goal is not to answer every question or solve every problem for everybody. The goal is to be a witness. We are to testify. Here's what Christ has done in my life. Here's why I have the hope that I do. Capture that in your story. Before Jesus, meeting him after Jesus. This is how we share the gospel. But I want to pause here and and ask, is this true for you? Have you received the gospel? Do you have a meeting Jesus moment? Are you living in the after meeting Jesus time? Are you still on the front end, the before? If you are, that's okay. That's great. We're glad you're here. We're we're glad we're dialoguing. This is good because we're all on a journey. All on a journey to meet Jesus and understand him better. But if you haven't taken that step, you can. Take a step towards him. Say, all right, I'm interested, but I got this one thing. Or this question still lingers for me. Like, ask. There may not be an answer, but Jesus has a response. And it's one that is captured in the gospel. So if you haven't taken that step, we invite you. Take that step. How you can do this, come find me. Come find one of our greeters. We'd love to just have an initial conversation with you. And we'd love to follow up. Like, are you, are you ready to explore a little more deeply? We'd love to walk with you through that. So come find me. Come find one of us. We'd love to chat with you. Because this whole Jesus thing, this is where life is found. The final thing that I want to do is I want to share with you an example of all of this. So we're talking about being missionaries sent right where we are. Well, we have a story that we want to share with you uh, of some folks in our church. And uh, they, they want to share a little bit about how God has been working in their lives. So um, Brian and Allie Messmore, they've been a part of New Life for about 12 years. And so I'm going to invite them forward. Um, and the thing I want to highlight for particular is uh, Brian, he's been an elder for us. He's been on our elder team for a number of years now. And um, we've, got, uh, we've got some news to share related to all the stuff that we're talking about. So Brian and Allie, they currently live in Peoria. 
And they, um, they've seen how God has been faithful here at New Life and, and how he's been working. And part of their journey with us has been to discern a call. Brian and Allie, they've served in so many different ways here at New Life, whether it's women's Bible study, kids' life, on the missions team. They have been so faithful uh, to contribute in so many different ways. But they sense a stirring that God is asking them to be missionaries where they are in Peoria. They come to church here in Morton. They travel across the river, and, and they have circles of people that they connect with. But then they've got a circle of people in Peoria that they don't share church with. They don't share this kind of thing with. And so they're feeling this sense of God asking them to be missionaries in Peoria and to transition away from new life and to plant with a church there and be ministers in their community. Now, sharing that, that means that Brian, he's going to step off the elder team. They're going to they're no longer attend new life, but they're going to go and they're going to be missionaries in obedience to God's call on them. So I share this news with a bit of sadness in my own heart. And for those of you who know them, there's probably some sadness who's, it's welling up in you right now. And that's appropriate and good. But let me tell you something. Them going like this, responding to God's call like this, is a win for the kingdom. They are now obedient to God's call and say, I want you to minister here where I planted you. And the kingdom is going to be better for it. So I wanted to bring them up and I want them to share just a little bit about this discernment and this journey. And then what we want to do is we want to pray for them and send them where they are. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. So Brian Alley, thanks for coming up. Yeah, thanks for having us up here. So yeah, like Brian said, we've been coming to New Life for 12 years. Uh, this has been our home. We have so many friends here. Um, we've been loved on so well here, been cared for, uh, loved others. Uh, we've grown a lot. We've had opportunities to serve. Um, and yeah, through the, the ups and downs, this, is, this has been home and it's been good. Um, recently, we have been feeling God's call. Uh, we've lived in Peoria for over a decade um, and God has just really placed a heart for Peoria in us, and so now he's calling us to go to church there and do more of the ministry, the mission work there in Peoria, um, and that's exciting, but it is really hard. It's hard to leave this home of new life. Um, it's hard to leave you guys that are friends, and it's hard as we've seen um, so much that God is doing here at New Life. Uh, we've seen a lot of health. We've seen it growing. Um, we see the direction the church is headed, the, the way the leaders are working here, um, the way they're listening to God, and just what God has in store for new life to come. And it's hard to step away um, as we see that, and we're really excited for what God is doing here. Um, but he has made the call clear to us. He's confirmed it, and we want to be obedient now. So um, that's something that we're excited to see what he does in us as we obey. We're excited to see what he does in our kids, Joshua and Abby, as we obey and as they see us do that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of feelings right now. Um, but we're, we're glad to be able to have this opportunity and, and, yeah, to step into what God has next. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just add that as we've reflected on all of this, um, Obeying God and mission does not always feel good. Like, this mm -hmm. doesn't feel good to stand here and say goodbye to all of you. Our hearts are just so heavy, but it is good. We're just trusting that even when it doesn't feel good, it is good. We know that God is going to be with us the entire way. So we're trusting him together. <laughs> yeah, and so there is sadness because there's a sense of loss, and we're not going to you know, see you all as regularly like we are now. But again, this is a win for the kingdom. This is the good that God is wanting to do in and through you both. And so for that reason, we can celebrate. We can be excited about what God is going to do next. And he's going to make an impact through these two. Um, serving with both of you, and in particular you, Brian, on the elders, and being in small group together, I can tell you what, like, I am so sad to be losing them, but I am so excited for whatever church they're going to land to be a part of. They, they're going to win 
because these two are there. So we can celebrate that. Um, so what I want to do is I want to pray for them. I want to pray for, for Brian and Allie and Joshua and Abby, their kids, as they make this transition and send them right where they are to do the work that God has called them. So um, if you're comfortable with it, it just has kind of a symbolic gesture, would you stand, extend your hands like this? And we're going to pray over Brian and Allie. Lord, you work. You're always at work. You're faithful to do what you said you would. You're bringing about your kingdom. And Lord, we are so grateful you choose to work alongside of us, through us. We get to participate with you. And that is what Brian and Allie are doing. So God, we are sad for us, selfishly. I can say that for me. I'm sad about this change. But I'm so excited. God, because you are at work. You are doing a work in and through them, and you are going to do a work in where they land. God, you have planted them in Peoria, in their neighborhood, for a purpose. Leverage that purpose, Lord, and bring about kingdom fruit in and through them. And so, God, while we feel the change and feel the sadness that comes with that, we joyfully send them out right where they are, to minister to the people that you have called them to minister to. So God, go with them as you promise that you would. Equip them for what lies ahead. Equip, for, equip them for this next season. And God, we pray for the transition. Would it be smooth? Would it go well? We pray for Joshua and Abby. As this impacts them too, they have now a new reality to step into. Lord, help them as they do so. We love this family, God. We love the Messmores very, very much. We are grateful for them. Go with them, Lord, as you promised you would. They have the Holy Spirit. He is the one. He is working. Would they trust him? God, we pray. We pray that you would lead them forward in all things in this calling. And thank you for their lives, Lord. We love you, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brian and Allie, for all that you have done. We are so grateful to you both for your commitment to this church all these years and for the ways that you've served. You honor us, and we want to honor you, so thank you. So can we acknowledge them, church family? They are embodying it. And we're grateful for all that they've done. So thank you guys. Appreciate it a lot. You might have one question related to this. So Brian's an elder. And we're, we're losing an elder now. And so just be looking for information in the near future where we might begin our elder search process again. Um, if you've been with us for the last couple of years, you've remembered we've done this. And so just be looking for more information related to that. But in the meantime, we're all missionaries. And we're sent right where we are. That's the call. So can we step into that? We're grateful for all the ways that God works in and through us. Let's embody that.